Ridgefield was a somewhat quiet town this week. With the school district on spring vacation, many people left town. I imagine that they ventured into other worlds. That's what a vacation truly is, isn't it? A time when you can go into another place, not be ruled by the calendar or the clock. You can give yourself over to the environment that you have entered into for that week and just be refreshed. Some people use spring break to go and visit colleges. They want to get a feel for the campus, to get a sense of what it's like and what it's about. And that too is a type of world that has certain ways of understanding and operation, and you get a feeling for the world, the environment that's created on that particular campus. I'm reminded of these two things when I read our lesson for today, in particular the first letter of John. When he talks about the world in which we are a part as Christian people. This is a concept that is described in John's Gospel, written by a different person, and some decades before this first letter of John was written. But in John's Gospel, that is where the theology is laid out, that in Christ we are inhabitants of a new world, one where Christ is victorious, and it dictates how it is that we operate as Christian people, as followers of Jesus, the risen one. This is something that we can forget. Week after week, we are invited to come together to remember the world that we are a part of as followers of Jesus, as Christians. Because out there, we can forget this world that we're a part of. And they don't, the world out there doesn't necessarily remind us of the world that we're a part of as Christian people. They don't understand us, as we hear in this first letter to John. So we come together every week to remember the world that we are a part of as Christian people, the one where Christ is victorious, and that changes everything for us. I think about the world around us, the one that we inhabit because we are human beings, because we do eat and sleep and work. That is what we do as people. I think about how it is different, though, than the one that we inhabit as Christian people. There are a few ways that come to my mind most vividly. One is in the response and the desire for power. I've been struck over this past year at how many little lies are told. Little ones. It's, it's confusing to me. Ones about why a person maybe is late, why they didn't get something done. That might be the way that people exercise power in the world around us, but as Christian people, even the little times are opportunities for us to tell the truth. It's in telling the truth in the little things that we gain the ability and the strength to tell the truth in the big things. Because as Christian people, people who follow the risen Lord, we know that the truth sets us free. And we want to get good at living in the truth, at knowing the truth, at accepting the truth, even to ourselves. Our power comes in living in the truth that is where the freedom and authority lies as Christian people. Another way that differs in the world about us as com compared to the world as Christians is in what we do about our vulnerability. In the world out there, we respond to the vulnerability with fear. It's a huge motivator for overcoming our vulnerability. Fear is used all the time to help people motivate to do something greater than they might have done otherwise. 
That might be the way of the world. But as Christian people, our response to our vulnerability is in love. We believe that love motivates people to be the fullest that they can be, the most complete that they can be. It's a different way for us as Christians than it is for the ways of the world. A third way that seems most evident to me is in what we do about our identity and security. Again, in the world around us, our identity and our security comes in uh, the things that we have, in the status, in the connections that we have. That's who we know who we are by what we wear or what we drive or what we do. But as Christian people, we know who we are because of whose we are and that we belong to Christ. These are three ways that differ in the world about us and in the world in which we inhabit as Christian people. As Christian people, we respond to our lives as we follow Jesus. It is Jesus, victorious, who guides and governs us. Cornel West said this beautifully when I heard him speak at Trinity Conference earlier this year. He said it so lovely that I almost clapped in joyful recognition of the way that he stated it. He said, I was a gangsta before I found Jesus. Now I'm a Christian sinner with gangsta proclivities. I loved how beautifully that was said. Maybe you could fill it in with something different than gangsta. I was an addict before I found Jesus. An addict to alcohol, to work, to drugs, to food. But now that I found Jesus, I'm a Christian sinner with addict proclivities. I was a tyrant before I found Jesus, but now I'm a Christian sinner with tyrant proclivities. I was self-centered before I found Jesus, but now I'm a Christian sinner with self-centered proclivities. You could fill it in with anything, your greatest thing that distracts you from following Jesus. What I loved about Cornel West's sentence is that it acknowledges that our sinfulness remains but we are being redeemed, actively redeemed, when we are in relationship with Jesus. It is in relationship with Jesus that starts our transformation. Simply focusing on what Jesus would have us to do makes the transformation begin. And it is a lifelong journey. When we know our sinfulness, we remember who we are in relationship to Jesus and that we need transformation. And then we open ourselves up to the transforming love of God in our lives. This became known to me in a very real way probably 18 years ago. Some of you have heard me talk about the experience of participating in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, a sacrament that's offered in the Episcopal Church. It's in our prayer book. It's after um, marriage, I think, in the order of the prayer book. And it is a private confession. In, in, that's what it is. I was invited to participate in this sacrament um, by my spiritual director 18 years ago. She asked me if I'd ever made a private confession. I said that I hadn't, and she encouraged me to participate in this sacrament and gave me a book to guide me through that process. As I was preparing for it and reading this book by Martin Smith, it said, as you, it's customary, or it happens, it seems, that when people make their confession, they end up crying. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm not a crier, 
You know, I don't cry at Hallmark commercials. I don't cry in movies. I did cry in the notebook, but listen, that was the notebook. <laughs> Everybody cries in the notebook, right? So I thought, that probably won't happen to me, but anyway, that's what it says, and I'll just continue to follow the directions that it gives. When I met Betsy for the sacrament, we entered into the chapel and began the process, the liturgy that we see in the prayer book. I was amazed that as I laid down the wrongdoings of my life to that point, the overwhelming feeling of love that washed over me, over me and through me, and I did cry. I bawled. I was changed forever through the awareness of God's immense love for me. And I couldn't believe that I had been blind to it all this time, that I'd squandered it for so long. And that is why I cried, because of God's immense love for me. From that point on, I saw myself and the world completely differently. I knew myself as beloved by God, and others also beloved by God, and everything changed. This is what we're invited into by this theology of John, what is made known in John's Gospel, and what this first letter of John picks up and carries decades after John's Gospel was written. We are children of God. Do you see what love the Father has for us, that we have been made children of God? And that is what we are. It changes everything. John's Gospel is the one that really talks about this most in depth. It is that Gospel that stands kind of different than the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We have four Gospels, but John is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For one thing, it has this word beloved disciple in it, a reference to one who followed Jesus. But the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, don't talk about that person. John's Gospel lists 12 disciples and the beloved disciple. Matthew, Mark, and Luke only list 12. So scholars have debated for 2,000 years who this beloved disciple is, whether it's metaphorical or an actual person. I jumped into the conversation in seminary and wrote my thesis on who I believed the beloved disciple to be, this one that developed a community out of his certainty that God loves us. Because he believed that God loves us in the same way that God loved Jesus. You'll remember we even read in this worship time that God loved, Jesus prays that we will be one with the Father as he is one with the Father. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and God said, This is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And the gospel writer of John says, We're children of the Father too. What if God is saying the same thing to us? That we are beloved. What does that do for our understanding of ourselves? How does that change how we operate in this world around us? I believe that the beloved disciple was a young person in his teens, and so he only counted sometimes. But he knew himself to be beloved so much that he took that name. He didn't have another name. He was the beloved disciple. He knew himself beloved. What does it mean when we know ourselves to be beloved? How does that change how we operate in the world? How does it remind us of who we are? In the letter of James, we are, it says that we should be doers of the world, not hearers only. 
Because if we're hearers only, it's as if we, a man looked at himself in the mirror and then immediately upon leaving the mirror forgot what he looked like. We can accidentally do the same. We come together week in and week out to remember the world that we're a part of as Christian people. To remember that we are beloved by God and that that changes who we are and how we are in the world around us. That's the good news made known to us in the resurrection of Jesus. It's the good news made known to us in this first letter of John. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Amen.